You know, I, I was sitting in the back there and uh, I was looking at the uh, the back of all uh, of all of you, and uh, you know what comes to my mind? I'm seeing a picture of the knights. You know the the movies. Have you seen the movies about the knights preparing for the battle to fight for the king? Okay, envision this. I'm seeing a picture of night sitting, being trained for battle. Okay? So, our job is to train you to go into battle for the Lord. Alright? Let us stand. Uh, we're going to pray. Father, I just want to, uh, to lift up my voice to, to hear you praise God for who you are. Lord, I pray that you will move among your people today. Lord, I pray you open their hearts, open our minds, so that we can see what you are seeing, God. Lord, you are sovereign. You are the Lord of lords, you are the King of kings. We are unworthy, God. We are unworthy to you and call you Lord. Lord, please prepare our minds as we look into your word today. Christ, we pray. Amen. Then I want to give God's praise for for Friday when I came home from work. I saw Naomi fell uh, from the up from the stair all the way down from the top to the bottom. <laughs> he was <laughs> he was carrying this you know step ladder, and I don't know how he fell, but uh, I thank God that he protected him. You know, so many often, so so often that we we don't give God praise for for His protection and for what He's done in our life. Do not, I repeat, do not let your mind drift. What is drifting? Who can tell me? What's the meaning of drifting? Daniel? Let your mind wander. Going somewhere you are not supposed to. It is not time for you to turn off the light and let your mind drift. But imagine yourself bucking up for the roller coaster ride of your mind. The topic of the message today is on whose authority? I want you to repeat this phrase in your mind every time I finish a thought. Ask yourself, on what authority is he saying that? Each time your mind about to drift, ask yourself, on what authority are you allowing your mind to drift from the Word of God? Are you ready? I need you to be vigilant, especially Trex and Journey, in looking at the scriptures and read it aloud, 
clearly so everyone can understand. We need to give God's word the reverence that it deserves. Amen? I'd like to direct your mind to Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. Can someone read it for me? Genesis 2, 16 to 17. Thank you, Daniel. It is great to see that the reading of the Bible, you stand up and you read the Word of God clearly. Who is saying this? The passage we just read. Who is saying it? Let me ask you, is there any shadow of a doubt as to what he said? We can understand it, right? Let's move on. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Thank you, Daniel. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Thank you. I want to get this. On what authority or on whose authority is Eve talking to the snake? Are you, are you following me here? Just three verses ago, Eve was created from a rib of Adam, right? She's freshly created. God just endowed majestic, magnificent, glorious, on Eve, and of course Adam too. What business does, the, does Eve have talking to a snake? She was supposed to be mastering it. Why is she talking to a snake? Let's apply this, okay? Ask yourself this, are you doing the same thing? Each time you turn on that music, or play that game, or text that message, or watch that YouTube, or checking out yours or someone else's Facebook, are you doing the same thing? Do you realize that the same ancient serpent is speaking the same thing through these avenues? Did you bother to ask God when you have some free time? Lord, what should I do with it? Are you asking the question? Are you asking on whose authority am I doing this? You see, the minute we stop thinking about God, the minute, the minute that God is off our mind, guess what? All bets are off. You are start seeking trouble. Okay? I didn't say trouble comes to you. I said you are looking for trouble. The minute that God is off your mind. Do not mock God thinking that you didn't know better. Yes, you do. Why? Because he puts the best and the greatest creation in you. That's your mind. And he expects you to use it to glorify him, to proclaim his glory to those around you. So do not mock him by thinking that it's okay since everyone else is doing it. Isn't that the heart of a, a child of God? Okay, I want you to think about this. If you don't have the attitude of glorifying God, you are not His. Three points should be noted <clears throat> that I want you to note dealing with Adam and Eve, uh, Savior of the fall. Is this perfect knowledge without God destroys itself. When Adam, I mean, when, when God created Adam and Eve, He gave Adam and Eve perfect knowledge. The knowledge of you and I do not have. So when God says something, they understand it very clearly. Since the fall, our mind has kind of muddled. You know that? We don't have the clear understanding as what Adam and Eve have. But even with this perfect knowledge, what happens? The first thing the devil tempted them to the serpent. Guess what? They fell. They went with the devil. Why? Because perfect knowledge 
will destroy itself without God. Number two, perfect knowledge will remain perfect as long as it obeys God's will. And number three, you and I do not have that. We do not have the perfect knowledge. You know, we are living in a time where authority is being questioned or challenged. I'm not sure if we are at the time in the book of Judges where everyone is doing what pleases himself or herself. But I can say this, disregarding the authority is a main cause of confusion leading to disorder, not only inside the church, but also outside as well. It is destructive force. This destructive force is profound. It is shaking the foundation of truth. Wait, you should stop me and say, what? Can truth be shaken? Then I ask you, can truth be shaken? Truth can never be shaken. It's only us, humans, that are shaken. When people start asking about what is truth, what do we tell them? Let's look at Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Thank you. You know, every person is endowed with the basic truth, but their perversion causes them to say they don't know what it is. You know, this is the main difference between God and the devil. God is the truth, and the devil is the lie. Now, here's our key verse of the day. First John chapter 1, verse 6 to 7. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and read it for you, okay? If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not do the truth and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us, us from all sin. Let me ask you, is this the ultimate goal of a Christian? Is to have fellowship with God? Is it? Why do you go to church? Why do you read the Bible? Because why? Because we want to see God, right? But what is his condition? You notice here where I said, what is his condition, not our condition? You know, our biggest mistake is that we're ignorant of God. I did not make this up. Let's look at in the scriptures. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. The ox knows his, his owner and the ass his master's crib. But Israel do not know. My people do not consider. A sinful nation. People weighed down with iniquity. Offspring of evildoers. Sons who act corruptedly, corruptly. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from Him. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 22. My people are fools. They do not know me. They are senseless children. They have no understanding. They are skilled in doing evil. They know not how to do good. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 7. Yea, the stock of the heaven know her appointed times to total the turtle and the crane and the swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people know not the judgment of, of God. Romans chapter 1 verse 22. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. You know, this ignorance breeds pride, contempt, and arrogance with respect to how we approach God. You know, let's take a look, take a, a look at a couple of examples of the ancient holy men when they interact with God. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. Now, you know, Isaiah is one of the major prophets in the Old Testament, right? Do you think he's a holy man? How many, how many of you think Isaiah is a holy man? How, how many of you know who Isaiah is? I mean, how many of you have, have read the book Isaiah? Okay. He's one of the most powerful prophets 
in the Old, in the Old Testament. And here's what it said in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Let's look at another man, Job. Job 1, verse 1. This is what the Bible says. And that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God, and is and is true evil. In verse 8 it said, The Lord said to Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in, in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that fears God and is true evil? How many persons, how many people get that kind of compliment from God? You know, there's only there's less than a handful that gets that compliment. But in Job 42, verse 5 and 6, it said, Job said, I have heard thee, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. You know, this is a typical of every human encounter with God in the Bible. So the first thing we need to do is to really humble ourselves before God. Because without that humility, you will never be able to come to God. So what does it mean to walk in darkness, to walk in the light? Now, if you want to have fellowship, fellowship with Him, if we want to have fellowship with Him, what must we do? Must not walk in darkness, but walk in the light, as He is in light. Right? Let's look at Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Thank you. Blessed is the man that walked not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the Lord, in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditates day and night. Now, don't fall asleep on me here, because I know that each time this phrase comes up, your mind will fade away. What does he mean by meditates day and night? Have you ever done that? Do you imagine yourself doing that? Meditate on the, meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. Do you want to meditate on the law of the Lord day and night? No. You know that if your outlook of life does not reflect this, then you are under God's wrath. You know, you think you can carry on with life without God, as if He doesn't exist, you're in deep trouble. You know, by definition, God is a sovereign and must be glorified by all His creations. Our whole purpose in life is to glorify God. Now, how do we glorify Him? We don't know. In John chapter 17, verse 3, it says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is what it means to really live and not merely existing on this earth. Yeah, our refusal to know God here on earth reveals that we are not His elect. Did you get that? Our refusal to know God or to, to meditate upon His law day and night reveals that we are not His elect. Does that sound odd to you? You know, one of the challenges when um, <clears throat> you study the Word of God is this. When you don't understand something, that does not give you the right or the authority to skip. You need to ask yourself, under what authority am I allowing myself to drift from the Word of God? Just because I don't understand what it says, am I free from it? You know, we have the term, ignorance of the law is what? Is no excuse, right? Here's what Jesus said, John chapter 6, verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise them up at the last day. 
John chapter 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last and sow, that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So I'm saying it again. Our refusal to know God here on earth reveals that we are not his elect. I use the illustration at the beginning. The night, the armor shining night. Can anybody just be a knight of the king? Can anybody just be a knight in the king's armor? He's chosen. Hmm? In the same way, the elect is the chosen of God. Now I'm going to read to you the next paragraph. I didn't write this. It came from the Puritan writing. Christ did not come to us merely to work miracles, to do mighty deeds, and so to manifest his power. He did not come even to change our lives. He came primarily to gather to himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. He came to reconcile men to God and to bring us to the knowledge of truth. The Christian life is fostered by truth. We live unto Christ, to the glory of God, not out of a vacuum, but out of a mind and heart captivated and inflamed by the understanding of God's greatness and goodness and His saving activity in Christ. This is what fuels Christian living from beginning to end. Truth leads to life and it is truth rightly understood that shapes Christian experience. If life grows out of understanding, then it follows that a firm grasp and robust appreciation of the Christian truth is of primar primary importance to Christian living. Truth comes first. It is truth that God uses to produce and mold Christian living. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth in the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I hope you will notice that along the way I'm trying to plant some seeds in your mind concerning the great responsibility that God expects of His elect. Not that any of us can carry out this on our own ability, but to rely on Him through faith in order to do so. You know, God instills within each of us His highest, His most complex creation. That is our mind. And He, in turn, pays us the greatest compliment by saying, use it for my glory. Let's move on. What is God's wrath? In Romans 1 verse 18, it said, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness, godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. You know, the term wrath is, is greatly misunderstood today. 
It is not that God squashes you each time you disobey Him. It is exactly the opposite. You know, when He leads you to yourself, when He takes His restraints off you, You know, the only reason that man does not destroy himself is due to God's sovereign restraint on him that he placed on each of us. From time to time, he will release, we release his restraint to show us the real face of sin and his power. Do you begin to see the evidence of that in our society today? You're in never such a time do we witness such a collective vile voices. Okay? I mean, the news outlets, social media, music, arts, movies, you name it. Such a collective vile voices against that which is good in favor of what? In favor of that which is evil. You know, man feels free to express who or she pretends to be by suppressing the truth. You know, I hear an objection, uh, objection in your mind. But you must not be talking about me. I can't be such a wild person. I'm going to put this test before you to see if your objection is valid, okay? In Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 31, here's what the Lord said. My people come to you as they usually do, and sit before you to hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. Their mouths speak of love, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Another translation reads, So my people come pretending to be sincere and sit before you. They listen to your words, but they have no intention of doing what you say. Their mouths are full of lustful words, and their hearts seek only after money. Let me ask you this. How did you prepare yourself in coming to the house of God? All week long, are you looking forward to coming to the fellowship? Are you preparing your mind during the week to reading His Word and praying and talking to your friends about Him? You know, He expects us to learn His Word in order that we may proclaim it to others. These words are not for you to keep to yourself. It is God who illuminates your mind to understand His words, that it will grip you. You got that? I didn't say that, hold on to it. I said, it grips you and holds you. I ask you for a time log of your spare time, <clears throat> how do you spend your time? The time that you can do as you wish. How have you spent them? You know, it is how you spend your spare time that shows where your heart really is. What kind of contents have you allowed to enter your mind, your eyes, your ears? Even the best movies contain the voices that are totally against the scriptures. <clears throat> you know, that's why I rarely turn on the radio anymore. Because these voices violate the verse 
In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, he said, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. At least uh, at least uh, a few other verses. Colossians chapter three verse two. It said, "Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth." Jeremiah twenty nine verse thirteen. It said, "And ye shall seek me, and find me, and ye shall search for me with all your heart." 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 to 12. And we desire that every one of you show the same diligence, the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So the bottom line is, who is the author, authority in your life? It's either God or the devil. Isn't it? How do you control the words that come out of your mouth? And the actions that carry out with your body. Do you know that the body is a temple of God? In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, he said, do, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Did you hear that? Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. What does it mean to you? You don't understand it. You don't know that your body is a the temple of the Holy Ghost. You need to find out what that is. I think that's all I'm going to talk about today. <laughs> Thank you.